Our precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege we have to gather tonight to hear your word. We trust you to speak through us, to help us to understand the mysteries of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our topic is weapons of our warfare, part six. Weapons of our warfare, part six. Ephesians 6.10 is the text we've been using for this series. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. We keep emphasizing that. You can't put on part of it. You have to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, which is deceits, lies, of schemes of the devil. Twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Thirteen, therefore take up the whole armor of God again repeated, that you may be able to withstand in the evil days, and having done all to stand. Fourteen, stand therefore. The word stand is repeated again. Stand therefore, having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy that's of the wicked one, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So today, we are going to consider this weapon that God supplies, which is the helmet of salvation. And by the grace of God, next week, we'll consider the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So for tonight, we're looking at the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6, 17, 18 in TPT says, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. We read it before in New King James Version. Now, TPT brings the meaning out for us better. It says, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. So it's so clear what we're talking about here when you talk of helmet of salvation. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 says, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as a helmet the confidence of our salvation. See, he repeated it in Thessalonians, repeated it in Ephesians. The helmet, the confidence of our salvation, the helmet of to protect your thoughts from lies. So now, when you, when you look at the word helmet, what does the helmet protect? It protects your head. And your head is representative of, of, of the, the center of your, of your activities. If you lose your head, if your head is cut off, you're dead. Your head is where your brain is, which physically processes things for you. So if, if your brain goes wrong, you can't, you, you, you lose the ability to do rational things. That you, be need, you need help to get things done. So it's like the helmet is talking about the head because in the physical, the head contains your brain. And your brain is the center of everything you do. It's your center. So now we talk of, we're not talking of now physical. 
But we're talking about spiritual. So we're, the, the scripture uses physical something to show us things we don't see. And so when you talk of helmet, so what should be your spiritual helmet? What should be your spiritual head which your salvation protects? That should be your soul, your thinking, your, your, your heart, from where all the issues of your life come. Just like all the issues of your body come from the brain. The brain organizes and controls everything in your body. So your heart is from where all the issues of your life come. You process information there. You process scriptures there. You process the things that happens. Faith is there. Doubt is there. Love comes from there. So that should be our spiritual head, so to say, in context that the, 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 your salvation, the truth of your salvation protects. So let's, let's look at um, Proverbs 4.23. Scriptures that again help us understand this helmet of salvation, what it is protecting for us. It says, guard your heart above all else. You see? So it's like your heart is like your head. Your physical head is what your heart is spiritually. He said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So your heart is from where spiritual things issue, your life issues, comfort. So the Bible says, guard it. So Proverbs 4.23 said, keep your heart with all diligence. That is New King James Version. They keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And so in, it will it, be totally in context to, 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 as to really um, conclude that when the scripture uses helmet to, 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 um, that covers our physical head, it's talking about the truth of salvation. It's what covers your heart. So that once you have that truth in your heart, then the devil will not be able to penetrate with lies and, and, and bring forth destruction out of your heart. If you can't have access to your heart, it can function. So in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we continue to see scriptures illustrating this protection of the heart. Protection of the heart, which I said, is like your spiritual brain. It's like your spiritual brain from which issues of your life come. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Remember, remember, let, let me remind you so that you can connect it properly. TPT says, Ephesians 6, 17, embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Protect your heart from lies. Now, let's go back to where we are reading. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. TPT, it says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. It continues. We capture. Now listen, these are the, these are the enemies you've got to capture. Like you're chasing enemies in the war front. This is what you need to capture. He said, we capture like prisoners of war every thought. All those lies of the devil, you go after them, capture them. And subject them to the truth. So he said we capture as prisoners of war every thought, not some. Every thought that insists and insists that it bow in obedience to the anointed one, to the word of God, to Christ. 
every thought that does not exalt Jesus Christ must be captured. Must not be allowed to be roaming in your heart. Cannot be entertained. Is an enemy. You capture it by force and subject it to the truth of God because it's the devil that is attacking you through those thoughts. Remember, we talked about his lies that wants to invade your thoughts and change it so you start believing lies. So we need to demolish every thought, every suggestion, every imagination. Boy, does he use the imagination? Oh my God, are you kidding me? He uses imagination. And God also uses imagination. God paints pictures. The world paints pictures. Somebody was sharing with us last yesterday in the Believer's Fellowship, and that's true. Because when God wanted to help Abraham to believe what he was offering him, he brought him out and said, look at the star. What was God trying to do? Gave him imagination. And immediately after that, the Bible said Abraham believed God. But not before then. So the enemy can give you all manner of imaginations of, oh, you are distant, we kill you. And you start seeing yourself dead. He can give you the imagination you will never make it. Oh, don't you understand? You've tried several times. Oh, don't you understand? Nobody can find you. Nobody can do this. Nobody can. Come on, man. He gives imaginations. But those are the things you need to capture and say you are alive from Satan. You need to. You need to. Every imagination, he has this power of suggestion. And then the thing is that you would think you are the one thinking it. But it's the one injecting that thought into you. So you, you think it's your thought. It's not your thought. He's the one injecting. He injects all manner of iniquity into your thinking. All manner of iniquity and turns around and accuses you and says you call yourself a Christian. But it's the one injecting all these things. Even when you are praying, he tries to distract you and inject stuff. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he shows up, you say, what are you talking about? Do you even understand it? Yeah, you don't have to understand it, but he wants to inject this arrogant thought that, that is contrary to what the Holy Spirit says in the Bible. So we must capture them. They are enemies, they can't roam around. I'm telling you, you don't even have the luxury of talking about, this, telling somebody about, you capture them, shouldn't come out of your mouth. It's evil communication. You open your mouth and speak to it and cast it down, bind it and say this word, I cause you to die. I can't run around in my mind. You are from the devil. You use words to overcome thoughts. Words are powerful. You got to speak. You use words to overcome thoughts. You don't engage thought with thought. No. You use words. Words are powerful. You use words and speak to that thought and say, in Jesus' name, this thought you are of Satan. I take you captive and I stop your activities. I cause you to disappear, to die. Get out. You use words. You, you can't create with thought, but words create. Words are powerful. The word of God contains its power. So you speak it up. Against it, uh, I don't mean you go on the street and stay speaking. People will say you're crazy, and you are. I mean, you talk to you, you talk quietly, decently, because your, your, your point is not for people to see you. Your point is this thought, I got to demolish it. You can talk under your breath, and it works. 
So they appear to be from you, but they are not actually, they are being ejected by Satan. And sometimes through people he has deceived. People he, who have bought into his error. And they tell you, hey, it happens like this. They didn't read the Bible. They didn't know what the scripture. They just copying what people say. Popular stuff. The, the greatest wrong you do to yourself is to be, is to be just believing anything. Just believe in anything. Because it's popular and because so, 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 so person said it. Who cares who said it? You must think for yourself. You, you, you are not doubt, my friend. You can't let people think for you and tell you what. You just believe things you do. You didn't go to scripture to vet them. The Bible says judge all things and you are not doing it. You just expose yourself to demonic deceit. And if it gets your heart, believe you me, he will wreck your faith. It's, it's a wicked spirit that is totally dedicated to killing and destroying. You, you don't joke with these things. So when people are talking and somebody fatically talking, and sometimes they tell you, I dreamt about it, I saw a vision. Don't worry about those. Those are the, those are the attitude of pride trying to impose it in you. So you say, yeah, I saw a vision. So, no, visions, dreams are not given to us for instruction. They are not. The Bible said it is the scripture that is given to us for instruction in doctrines. You don't take your doctrines from visions and dreams. It's not biblical. Demons give visions. Demons give dreams. Satan does. Isaiah 8.20. Look to God's instructions. That's our instruction. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. Totally in the dark. I don't care what you are quoting as your source of authority. If the scripture does not underwrite it, it's demonic. Completely in the dark, coming from the region of darkness. Why? Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. If it's not his word, it's not light. If it's not light, it's darkness. You don't have to take it. And for clarity, our Lord Jesus Christ contrasted his ministry with that of the devil. So we understand this sense. So in John chapter 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, and the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, <clears throat> and about not in the truth, doesn't live in the truth, about not in the truth, when he speaketh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. God didn't give it to him, for he's a liar and the father of it. He gives birth to lies. But he talks of himself and says, because I tell you the truth. So Jesus said, when I speak, I speak the truth. The words I speak are not mine. <laughs> they are my father's word. But he said, when the devil speaks, he speaks of himself. God didn't give him. He's a liar. He manufactures lies. He has no ability to speak the truth. And it is this deceit we are confronting with the truth that the Spirit of God reveals to us. And so the Bible encourages us not to be moved away from the hope or expectations you have because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you on the cross. Don't be moved away from what Jesus 
paid with his life for you to have. Do not let anybody talk you out of it. You don't have any other thing except what Jesus paid for. You don't. It's nothing. All that God gave us is what his son paid for. So in Colossians chapter 1 verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, 20, and having made peace, see, 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 see what Jesus paid for. Number one, he said he made peace through the blood of his cross. That's how you have, you, you, you have peace with God. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say. He said it's through Jesus, I say. Whether they be things in, on earth, in earth and you're on earth or things in heaven. And verse 21, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, Yet now had he reconciled. Now had reconciled us to himself in the body of his flesh through death to present you one holy, two unblameable, three unreprovable in his sight. Think of it. And he warned us, the devil will try to move you away from this and tell you, 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 are, you are dirty, you are this, you are that. The Bible said, you are reconciled by his death, not by what you did, by his death, by his blood. His blood washes you of all unrighteousness. You are reconciled by his blood. And because the blood is powerful, washed you clean, in his sight, he sees you holy, unbrimable, unreprovable, in his sight. Don't worry about your neighbor. It is in his sight. Don't worry about religious Pharisees. It's in his sight. Through his death. Through his death. 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Then the devil wants to take away this expectation that God, Jesus has given you and turn it around and say, look at you. You, 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 how can you say you are, you are unblameable and holy? How can you? But the Holy Spirit said, through his death, God made you like that. And then look at the next verse. If you continue in the faith, grounded in this truth, settled in this truth, and be not moved away from the hope of this gospel, which you have had, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Do not be moved from this gospel you had. Don't. Do not. The devil will try to come and inject thoughts and say you are not what God said he made you. And he has a lot of people who he's using. Let me read this Colossians 1.23 in New Living Translation. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you had the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and Apple have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. 
Think about it is, if you don't believe that God made you righteous and holy and things, your life will go south. Because what you believe is what you turn out to be. If you believe you are dirty, you are going to be dirty. You can be a hypocrite pretending, covering, but you can't make progress. You, you, can't, you can't go beyond what you believe. Jesus says, I'll be to you according to your faith. If you believe, if the devil deceives you that, that this death on the cross, this blood didn't wash you, and you think you are, being, you are being humble or whatever you think you are, which the scripture does not on the right. I had that experience. I was sharing it yesterday. The devil convinced me that I was unrighteous. I was not sanctified. And I believed him. And my life became extremely wicked. And every, all I saw everywhere was sin. And I couldn't win one soul. Nobody wanted to deal with me, with my attitude of condemnation. I was not, joy, where is joy coming from? Somebody that is unholy, unrighteous, God doesn't accept, I'm frustrated and angry. I'm trying every day to make, you know, to be holy and I'm failing and I feel frustrated and my anger spilled over to people. Because it deceived me. It It deceived me. And I, the way I saw myself was the way my life turned out. I was very religious. Oh, evangelism, house to house. But never. Who will, who will, who will give his life to Christ when you come into his house? You, you, can't, you can't smile. You don't even know how to greet him. Nobody. Not one. But blessed be the name of the Lord. When Jesus, when God began to open my eyes that that thing is not, that's a lie of the devil. And it was so serious with me that God will show me visions of the devil laughing at me. But I'm telling you what I saw. The devil was la- I will see the devil standing there laughing at me. Laughing me to scorn. Because I was ignorant. He deceived me. He was making fun of me. And God will show me these things. Yet I didn't understand it. Because revelation must come from scripture. Comes from scripture. Faith comes from hearing the word. Not by seeing the visions. I didn't understand it. And I started to seek the truth. And God opened my eyes that what Jesus did is true. There's no other means through which my life will change except what Christ did. I couldn't change myself. I couldn't make it better. And the moment I started to believe it, joy came. My life began to turn around and go the other direction of what my faith had accepted as my true reality. I began to live the reality that I believed. And then I had peace, no stress. Look at Colossians 1 6. This same good news that came to you, which just mentioned it to you. By his death, he made you holy, changed you. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere, like a ball fruit in my life. Man, I mean, no burden. I don't carry burden. I'm struggling every day to be holy, struggling. No, 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 no. Rolled it all over to Jesus. I started learning to live by faith in him, trusting him, my wisdom, my life, my guide. And he, he, that's exactly what he began to do in my life. Because what you believe him, if you believe him to be your healer, is your healer. That's what he began to do in my life. He took over my life. And the things I couldn't do, he was doing. 
So he said, this good news that came to you is, is going out all over the world and it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. That's what it does. Just as change your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. He said, you heard it, the day you heard it, you believed it, it started changing your life. It started renewing your thinking. You started seeing yourself differently. You started seeing yourself as God says, this is what Christ made you. This is the new you. You started seeing it like that, and then your life started going to that direction. So we should learn to meditate on these truths the gospel is revealing. Otherwise, it can slip through our hands. We can forget them, and the enemy will confuse you again. When I started to understand grace, I had to struggle. One, two, three, I go back to works. I said, how can this thing be true? And then, and then after some time, I go back to grace. I say, yeah, that's true. That's true. Jesus did it for me. It was battle, 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 until God helped me to break through it. Pram, pam, it became clear to me. Totally clear to me. Hebrew 2.1. Since all this is true, since all this is true, the gospel is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. We sleep, when you drift past them, you slip away from your faith. You slip away. We must pay close attention to what the gospel is revealing and meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night. And so, we cannot be empty vessels that lacks this knowledge in us. In Colossians 3.16, it said, let the message about Christ, the message about Christ. I need to repeat that. The message about Christ is the gospel. In all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Then you can now sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Because you see it working. So it has to, we have to have rich, rich revelation of Christ. If we don't do that, we become empty vessels. And empty vessels... Is, is a playground for Satan. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 44. Empty verses is playground for Satan. Matthew chapter 12, verse 44. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, put in order. Now you came to Christ. You had a new life. The devil is kicked out of your life. But you, you don't have the word of Christ in you. The devil said, I'm coming back to check this guy out. I'm coming back. 45. Then he goes, sorry, verse 44 again. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty. But it is swept and put in order. But it is empty. Empty. The scripture says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your life. But now you're not doing that and you are empty. Guess what the devil does in verse 45? Then he goes and takes it with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with, with this wicked generation. 
Look at the Galatian church that fell for it. He deceived an entire church. They lost this battle. They lost it. Look at this church. I'm reading it from message. Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1. You crazy Galatians. <laughs> Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened to you. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. He says something crazy happened. This has to be demonic. This is not ordinary. How can you? His sacrifice on the cross was certainly said before you clearly enough. Like we're teaching it all the time here. Clearly said before you clearly enough. Paul said you need, you, you, you must have been, a spell is cast on you for you to take your eyes off what Christ gave you and you put it on emptiness where there is nothing? Verse 2. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? Did you get salvation by walking yourself out? How did it begin? Was it by walking your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? How did it begin? Verse 3. Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. He that began the good works in you is the one that completes it. If you, were, if you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you could perfect it now? Well, a simple question we should be answering. So let's remind ourselves of the hope of the gospel, the expectations of the gospel. And why is this gospel, why is the gospel the truth, the helmet that protects your heart? Why is it so? Because that is the key message that saves everyone. If you miss it in the gospel, you miss everything. That's the key message. Christ is all and all. If you miss it in Christ, you miss it, you miss everything. That's why the devil goes to waylay people there. Because he's the foundation of our faith. If your faith shifts from Christ, you go to sinking sand. He knows that once you put it on sinking sand, you are meat for him. You are lunch, you are dinner for him. So he waylays people, trying to confuse people about the gospel, about what Jesus achieved, telling them, no, Jesus didn't do this for you, what I'm talking about. Oh, he didn't make you righteous. How can you be talking like that? Look at you, look at you, look at you, look at you. Look at you, look at you, look at you. And because all our blessings and privileges come to us through the gospel. So if he confuses you about the gospel, he denies you the ability to enjoy what Jesus paid for. And you'll be frustrated. You'll be roaming, you'll be roaming around totally living a regular life that you would have lived without Jesus. Because you are, not, you are not enjoying the things he paid for. So your life is just what you should have been regular. Not just regular, it's just normal. It's not a, it can't be a peculiar life. Because peculiar life is the life that Christ paid to give you. Special life, peculiar. And when you live this regular, ordinary life, you, you become subject and victim of what regular, ordinary people are. Whatever the world is subject to, victim of, you join them. You join them. 
Everything that comes, the way they talk, you talk like that. You run to the world for help. That's where they all go. Everything that happens in your life, your life, the first place you run to help is the world. And whatever the world tells you, oh, that's it. Because spiritually you're weak. Number two, you are ignorant. You don't know the power of God. You, Jesus said you err. You don't know the power of God. You don't know the scriptures. That's why you don't run to Christ first. You run to the world first. And if the world can't help you, you collapse. You are dead halfway. Because you are living like the world. You are living like them. Whatever keeps them sleepless keeps you sleepless. <laughs> Anything that comes to town and they are not sleeping, they are talking about it. Oh, you know too much about it. How about knowing Christ and living a peculiar life, a different life? A different life. The life of the kingdom, the life of the spirit. How about that? That Jesus paid for us to have. So the devil attacks the gospel because he knows that if he confuses you about the gospel, you have nothingness. You have nothingness. Let's remind ourselves of some facts that we must not let the devil deceive you about. The gospel is not about what men do. Don't let the devil kid you about it. Don't let it deceive you and come and be telling you, no, no, it's about what to do. No, no, it's not about what to do. We just read it. It's not about what to do. It's about what Jesus did from beginning to the end. First Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Brethren, listen very well. So you can dictate the first gospel you can dictate the deceit of Satan, whether it's coming from whatever pulpit or from people. You can dictate where the devil is injecting the arm of the flesh that will profit you nothing and taking your faith away from the arm of the Lord, which is Christ, who has believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed in Isaiah 53, where he's talking, telling us about the gospel. And then when people begin to inject the arm of the flesh, don't you understand that that is Satan? Don't you know that that arm will profit you nothing? 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. Verse 2. By which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. If you hold it fast, he said, don't be moved away from what Christ achieved for you. Don't be moved away from it. If you hold it fast, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, unless you, are, you just wasted your time, verse 3, then he brought it to the, to, he brought, brought, made it clear now what he was talking about. I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He died for, he, he, he's the sacrifice that paid for your sins. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's why he made us holy, righteous, and everything. He took our sins upon himself, the consequences of it all. He died for our sins. He said, this is what I taught you. If you, unless, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe this and think you are going to make yourself righteous by what you do, you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all, first of all, 
That which all I also received, that Christ died for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for my sin is Jesus. If you atone for my sin, I am free, washed, made clean. That's why in the sight of God, I appear holy, reproachable, because the blood washed me clean. Paul said, if you don't continue to believe this, if you take, let the devil deceive you about this, you lose, you, you are out. You lose boldness. Because what, what are you going to present as sacrifice for your sin? What? Verse 4. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to scriptures. So when he died, we died. When he rose, we rose with newness of life. And that he was seen by Cephas, then by the, the twelve. So you see, the gospel, there's no mention of what you did there. Christ died for our sin. You didn't die for your sin. You can't bring, you, you can't. It's Christ died for our sins. And that Christ was buried and Christ rose. And each of those things has significance in our life, provides us something. So the gospel is not about what you do. Don't let the devil inject the arm of the flesh into what you think you believe. That's contamination. That's false doctrine. It's about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, period, from beginning to the end. Ephesians 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in, dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is what God did through Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what God did for us through Christ. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his grace, his grace, in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. That's it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Does it not shock you? How many people quote this, but in their heart it's not registered? I am telling you people who have been Christians for years. They say, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yes, I know. But when they talk in their heart, they're ignorant of this thing. They don't believe it. Yeah, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. But what they're saying is totally contradicting this, which is demonic. Satan has shown into their heart stronghold of deceit. The Bible called it the stronghold of deception. He has shown it. They think, they quote this, they think they believe it, they think they do, they don't. Because when they open their mouth, out of the abundance of their heart, you will see a but. That but is demonic. There's no but. Brethren, did you read but here? Why are they but? Why? From where is it coming? Why are they but? It's deceptive. It's diversion. But, but what? But what? The word of God is truth. You don't add to it, you don't remove. But what? But what? Once you hear but, go away. That's not Jesus anymore. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Gift of God. Brother, if you find bot, show me. I want to read the bot. What is the bot for? Where is it coming? It's the deceptive interjection of demonic deceit. To divert you, yes, it's true, but and he adds, adds, adds it so. Titus 3.3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many loss and pleasures. Slaves. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Now, see what happened. But when God, our Savior, this is the only but, telling up about what God, our Savior, did. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, that's what was revealed. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. This is the gospel. Paul said, don't let the devil take you away from this truth. Because of his grace, we haven't, we haven't spoken about us yet. He, God, made me right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. He gave us eternal life, everything. So let's look at some of these things one by one, quickly. I've only 18 more minutes to go. So let's look at this eternal life, the new life, which is the life that is now in Christ Jesus the life that is now in Christ, the life and nature of God that Christ has, is now the nature of our newborn again spirit. First John 5, 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. This is the witness of God. You would think people will read it and believe it. But they'll believe believe everything except this one. Verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God had the witness in himself. He that believeth not God had made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. What is the record? Verse 11. And this is the record. That God had given us eternal life. Not going to. Eternal life. And this life is in his son. The same life that Jesus has. He gave us. When Jesus came into my life, he came with his life. He came totally with his being. Verse 12. He he that had the son had life. And he that had not the son of God had not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. What am I supposed to know? That you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know how the Holy Spirit is repeating this? Believe it, believe it, believe it, continue to believe it. 
because he knows the devil will attack you there and say you don't have it. But you have it. If you have the Son of God, you have eternal life. Let me read it again, verse 13. These things have I written unto you, all of you listening to me. This is what the Holy Spirit is recording. These things have been written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Don't listen to anybody else. And that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You believe it, changes your life. This is the power of God that changes life. When you believe it, the life of Christ unfolds in your life, begins to unfold in your life. But when you deny it, you, you quench it. And no religious activity will give you eternal life. John 5, 39. Side the scripture, for in them you think you have eternal life. No, it doesn't come by religious activity. And they are they which testify of me. The scripture points you to Christ. Points you to Christ. Because of his fullness, we partake. Everything comes through him. Testify of me, verse 40. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Life comes to Christ. When you receive Jesus into your life, you receive his life. That's the only way you get it. John 10, 10, he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Abundantly, he said, that's why I came, to give you life. Without it, you are dead. And he made, he, he made us right in his sight. He made us righteous. We, we read it, that he made us right in his sight. In his sight. In his sight. He gave us right standing with him. So we can come to him boldly. Because of what Jesus did. Romans 1 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes it. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. So the, the gospel reveals to you God's righteousness, which is being offered you. God credits you with his righteousness because of what Jesus did. Because none of us can act and become as righteous as God. It's not possible. First of all, all have sinned. So why are you going to get that? And then, and then even, okay, let me, you can't be as holy and righteous as God and God doesn't take 90%. It's 100%. So some people who think, you know, I'm better today. That's not the gospel. The gospel is new life. It's not I'm better to them. No, no. You go from glory to glory, we know that. But what God accepts totally is his righteousness, which he, which he credits to you. While you are going from glory to glory, the reason you come is because of Christ. If you remove Christ, you can't come. The Bible says, no one cometh to the Father except through Christ. At any point in your life, you can't devise any means of going to God except through Christ. Why? It's his righteousness that you depend on. The righteousness of God is revealed. It wasn't revealed in the time of Moses. It's revealed now. 
that God will count you righteous if you believe him. He gives you the righteousness, credits it to you, the righteousness of Christ. Christ, our righteousness. Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. See, Paul is still writing about it. It is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Which means the law, when he talk about the law, he's talking about the writings of Moses and all those writings before Christ came. So he said the, the law and the prophets witnessed it. They wrote about it. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus to all and on all who believe. To all and upon all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says none is righteous. No, not one. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness, that he might be, be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Faith in Christ, God justifies you, gives you right standing with him, which is called righteousness. He gives you right standing with him. In Hebrew 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. That's why we enter. That's why we enter. That's why we go in Jesus' name. You can't go in your name. Your, your, my name, your name is what not. You go in Jesus' name because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. By his death, he shed his blood, and his blood opened the way for us to go into the presence of God. And Paul agrees, Philippians 3, 5, Paul agrees. I was circumcised when I was eight days old, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew. If there, was, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, as for righteousness, the way I was seeking righteousness, the way I was seeking to be accepted by God, I obeyed the law without fault. Verse 7, <laughs> it's amazing. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. <laughs> Think of it. But this is what people in the church are running to. This is what they're embracing. What Paul said is worthless. It's what they're embracing. And yet they're not even 100% for obeying, obeying the law like Paul. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Because of what Christ has done. Because the only thing that changes a man's life is Christ in him, the hope of glory. The only thing that brings you glory of God is Christ in you. The new life. If he doesn't give you the new life, you can't live it. And he said, verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake... I have discarded everything else, all these things, counting it all as garbage. Why? 
so that I can now gain Christ. So that I can gain Christ. I can gain Christ. I can gain Jesus. He becomes my all and all. Paul said, Christ is my life. He's my all and all. Not these things I was doing before. I can gain Christ and become one with him. One with him. Walking in unity with him. He said, I follow him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends entirely on faith. That's the gospel. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. The mighty power that makes a man what he should be. The mighty power of Christ that walketh in us to will and to do. That raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and share in his death. He said, I don't mind suffering, but that power that raised him is the power that walketh in me. The Bible, but the Bible said, the power that raised Christ Jesus is walking in you. Paul said, yes, that's the power I depend on now. I want to experience it, and the only way I can experience it is to depend on Christ only, not on myself. If you depend on yourself, you quench the power. If you depend on the power alone, you, quench, you stop your own. You stop in your, the Bible says, cease from your labor. Paul said, yes, that power that raised Christ is in me. So I depend on it because it has that power that makes me to will and to do, gives me wisdom, guides me. I do all things through that power. It's through that power I do all things. Jesus, I become my strength. The Lord is the strength of my life. And then if it's Jesus living through me, then I can do all things. I overcome sin, overcome the flesh. Because Christ is, is the power that." This with flesh. The Bible says through the power of the spirit, you put to death the desires of your flesh. And Christ is that power of God. Is that spirit. Where that spirit is, there is freedom, there's liberty, there's no bondage. That's why we obey the gospel. He says changing lives everywhere. Christ is changing lives everywhere. Jesus is changing lives everywhere. Where he's accepted, where he's believed, where what he did on the cross is honored, We are saved from the wrath to come, from the judgment to come. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And they speak of how you are looking forward to, be coming to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. Why? God put the judgment of my sin on Christ. Period. John 3, 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Should not perish. We have eternal life. We tell people this things and we don't believe it. We tell people you believe in him, but you know you can perish. You are going to perish. Well, you know, people can deny Christ and they're lost. People can do that. But our message should be a message that gives people hope, faith, that, they, that encourages them. Not the thing that kills, kills, kills their expectation. We should let people know that Christ is able to keep them. That Christ is able to keep them. The same Christ keeping me will keep you. you. You build their faith, not destroy it. We should be redemptive. The Bible says when you speak, minister grace to the hearer. Minister grace to the hearer. Let people hear you and come alive. Let them hear you and revive. Where there's a casting down, you say, no, there's a rising up. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Encourage people and say, yeah, you believe in him, you won't perish. He, will, he started this work in you, he completed it. Their faith comes alive. And they start trusting in him, he takes them through it. Isaiah 53, 5. And he is pierced for our transgressions. Already pierced for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. God, God put the judgment of my sin on Christ. He's pierced for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him. And by his bruise there is healing to us. In verse 10, verse 10, he says, And Jehovah had delighted to bruise him. He had made him sick. If his soul doth make an offering for guilt, then he says, see the prolonged days and the pleasure of Jehovah in his hand doth prosper. The pleasure of God in his hand is to bruise him. The judgment of my sin was on him so that there would be peace between me and God. So he delivered us from the judgment to come. Then we are delivered from the power of Satan and his kingdom and how and now Translated into the kingdom of God, delivered also from the spirit that walketh in children of disobedience. What, what people don't understand is that there is a demonic spirit that walks, that the Bible says the whole world lieth under the sway of the evil one. There's a demonic spirit that controls people who are disobeying Christ. That's what the Bible says. So our deliverance is from the control of that spirit to the control of the Holy Spirit. From the control of that spirit, to the control of the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians 2.2, 2, this is what we were. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the priest spirit that now walketh in children of um, disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we are by nature the children of wrath, even as others, walking under the power this spirit, prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in children of disobedience. Now, look at what Jesus told the Jews. And that applies to people, not just them. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, the father of it. I say, your father is the devil. You do what he wants because you're under his control. That's why Jesus came to set us free from that spirit. In Colossians 2.11, I don't have much time anymore. When you came to Christ, listen to what happened. You were circumcised, by, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed the spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized in him, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were raised to new life and you were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So when Jesus cut away our sinful nature, he replaced it with his new nature. 
He gave us his life. And the devil is permanently blocked from assessing your spirit. That's the deliverance that Christ achieved for us. So that spirit that walketh in children of disobedience is no more walking in you. What is walking in you is the spirit that makes you to will and to do the will of God. We'll continue from here next time. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for teaching us that the gospel is what we need to believe. It changes life. You told us only believe. The job has been done. You said it is all done. It is all finished. We are invited to come and walk in it. Only by faith we walk in it. The judge lives just by faith. No other way. When we believe, we see it. When we don't believe, we don't see it. And the enemy tries to deceive us, not to believe it. But you told us to take all those lies captive, capture them, subject them to the truth, which Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.